Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works. Uh, today's guest is Alex Harawi, CEO of MediaQuest who are one of the leading publisher houses and events groups in the region, established for over, well, I'll hear exactly how many years, uh, with, a, with a staple of brands that you'll know from, you'll be familiar with, such as Marie Claire Arabia, AME Info, Communicate Middle East, and they're also prestigious in the events industry uh, with events like Mina Effie's Arab Luxury World. Today we'll be discussing the current state of affairs in the publishing industry with the impact of COVID-19 and the story of MediaQuest's success uh, and the digitization of the industry and trends in the future. Good morning, good afternoon, Alex. Good afternoon. How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm great, I'm great. With the circumstances, I'm very happy to be here with you. And you've been working at home, uh, MediaQuest employees have been working at home, are they back in the office? So we've been working at home since March, uh, and we opened the office two weeks ago, uh, but it's not mandatory for people to come. I think uh, we, it was actually requested from the, from the employee to open the office because you had some people that have been alone at home or they just wanted to at least uh, get out a little bit. So it's not mandatory to, up, to, to come to the office, but to have some few people coming. We're still keeping this home uh, work from home, which I'm a big fan anyway. Yeah, how, I, I mentioned uh, how long MediaQuest has been established. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in Dubai for 20 years and originally yeah. in Paris in 1987. If that's correct, ha, have you ever had to deal with something like this before? So, yeah, it's, uh, so we, we launched me and my brother, actually, the, the company in Paris directly. I think people can get it with the, the French accent, although I'm originally Lebanese, but I live all my life in Paris. So we started in Paris in 97, and I came in Dubai in 98. And since we're based in Dubai. Mm. Uh, so no, this, the Corona, we had like, we had the 2001 uh, uh, crisis, we had the 2008 crisis here in the region, but nothing compared to, to what's happening today, because I think it's a, it's a multiple of things that are happening. Uh, you have the economy, but also the shifting in the business, which is also was already impacting the business for quite some time, and I think it's just accelerating the whole uh, change. Yeah, yeah, so talk a bit about that. You know, the media industry, as people will be familiar with the, the narrative that is, it's been disrupted. There's, you know, there's a duopoly with Facebook and Google, print has been disrupted, classifieds have moved online, and there's, it's kind of happening over the last decade or so. Uh, where, where do you think we are now? And is it a unique industry? Is media the most disrupted industry by digital? No, I think, I mean, I'll tell you a little bit after that on MediaQuest, but I think really you can see it on every single segment of the, the industry where there is like a huge disruption. I mean, what, when was the last time that you went to the bank? I mean, really seriously, I mean, it's, mm. uh, I mean, it's forever, even on the car, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of driving, and I can tell you I'm a big user of uh, Uber. And I think like when you come from a country like Paris, where it's very difficult to own a car, to just to park, uh, uh, this, I think everything is really getting disturbed on this part. Mm. The food industry, the media is one of them. So just to come back on the media industry, like Media Quest, we really like a kind of a holding. So today we have different segments of the industry. And MediaQuest, as such, we have the MediaQuest Corp, which is a holding that owns a couple of companies. We have, and um, we took the, the turn very early in uh, five years ago. We launched the biggest marketplace, the programmatic, uh, that we own. It's called NMP, which is the largest uh, programmatic platform in the region. Mm. And it stretched from uh, the Middle East all the way to Asia. Uh, and two years ago, we launched uh, Mimob, which is uh, DMP. I'm a big fan of uh, data. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pure player on data, which uh, collect the whole uh, first-party data and uh, push, I mean, can push directly a footfall in, uh, in the mall and also uh, directly download of app, push on the e-commerce. 
And then we have MediaQuatch, which was the, the core of our industry, which was the publishing, mm. which obviously is transforming. Uh, but I still believe in publishing in search is it's not about the printing, it's about the content. Mm. I'm a big fan still of content because still people more than ever wants to read some good stories. Uh, um, uh, and I mean, you know, with the, the number of fake news that are happening today, people are still going back to some brands. So I'm a big fan of brand and people. Yeah. Uh, I'll just give you an example. The first thing I wake up in the morning, people are telling me they go to Facebook or Twitter. I just go to a two French, uh, two French uh, newspaper, and uh, and the FT to read exactly what's happening in terms of having the real news. Yeah, interesting. What are the French newspapers you read? Uh, Le Monde, and re which is really a political uh, newspaper, and they have uh, Les Echos, which is more the French. Uh, uh, financial times. Interesting. So I think we can talk more about that as well. But just so MediaQuest essentially mm -hmm. is a very modern media company in that you have you have different arms, different subsidiaries, different entities. The the programmatic, uh, I mean, a marketplace. Uh, you have events, you have publishing brands, and Memob is is in the mobile space. Is is yeah. that is that and the data data, data. Space, really? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So okay. Um, sorry, it's a, a DMP, a data management platform. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And do all these things come together under your publishing brands, or are it's, they their own? Stand so no, they all uh, they all they all in silo. They all have their own PNL, their own CEOs. Mm. Uh, but obviously, there is integration. So again, uh, today, like I'll just go back on the on the data. Today, there is a lot of data. It's, uh, data is available. The main thing, which is really very precious, and I think for me it's the whole of the 21st century, is uh, the first-party data. So the more you can know your customer, the more you can have uh, personalized data, and then the more you know the consumer, the more you can really target him. Mm. So the way it works is we have the publishing uh, arm, which, for example, we have Marie Claire, and my MIMOB solutions comes under it to collect all the data that we can collect from the different, uh, from the social, from the, the website. And from that, we'll be able to build up some uh, data tank, and then we can do more analysis on the people that are coming. So we really, I mean, at the end, is really to do predictive sales and push people, obviously, to have better um, messages. So I, I mean, I am uh, I'm a proud dad, and I would love to receive some more information about uh, kids games or kids things that are for the kids or learning mm. where if you start sending stuff for a single man and receive uh, pampers uh, stuff and extra it's not very interesting for him so the more you have this uh, these tools to analyze the data and the more it becomes personalized the more you can reach them and the more you can do uh, really efficiency in terms of uh, the on term of the selling so it's very important to have all this and the but the, the key thing start with the content it's again is to it's really, and content is everything today, but it's just, again, good content. And uh, again, we're all fighting for the same Apple Pie in terms of the time spent on our device, whereas the Netflix or the Google, we're doing the same things. Yeah, interesting. So many things to touch on. I'm just getting on, on that, the data and the content is clearly core. Do you think that programmatic, in a sense, uh, and having that type of business may be different. Uh, how do you view kind of cannibalization and how do you view different businesses together under a holding group? And do you have a strategy around that? Yeah, so so again, for me, it's really, I, I mean, for me, the core thing is the content and you build around the content, the different platform that can help obviously uh, improve the content and improve at the end is to reach what the consumer wants. So, so the programmatic part is more for example, you were asking me what is the disruption on our business is there is no more this media placement where Google came in, then they all fighting for a very lower CPM. And this, you cannot afford to have a sales guy that just go and sell and add banners. This doesn't exist anymore. This has to be done programmatically. It's done between the two computers, the DSP and SSP. Then it's basically two computers that talk to each other. It's mm. mainly like a stock market, and it's computers that talk to each other. Mm. And this is really on the part where you can still have some money because there's still some ad placement that should happen. Mm. But also from from the from the programmatic part, you can have build audiences, 
the DMP can help on building the audiences. It's all about the audiences. At the end of the day, you want to reach the audiences. Mm. Content helps you on reaching the audiences. Is You read the Marie Claire. You were talking about Marie Claire. I read something on Jimmy Shoe. I click a button and boom, uh, I go and do the shopping. Uh, so this, you know, all this come together. So definitely this plays a role, the data plays a role, uh, the, the, the MMP, the programmatic plays a role, the content plays a role, and it all comes together. Yeah. So for people who aren't in the media industry or au fait with some of those terms, um, go, and related to you, so, you know, a DSP is a demand-side platform, a supply-side yeah. platform, and it's essentially, these are new entities, new technologies that have built up as uh, the industry has has been digitized, how do you make a, a decision on whether to build your own DMP, whether to license ad tech platform and things like that? So, uh, I mean, obviously, the man. For me, I'm I'm a big believer on owning your own IP, so your own your your own intellectual properties. Obviously. Uh, today, you have to just be a little bit careful on the way you invest on things because everything is commoditized. And you come and launch a new platform, and tomorrow there is a new guy that uh, in his garage, in his warehouse or whatever, and just launch a better platform, cheaper platform, mm. and you have to keep on pumping. So I think it's really like something that uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, we, we, I mean, we, I mean, MediaQuest acted like really as a VC. We invested over the last 15 years on more than 20 companies. We okay. injected more than $15 million in different companies. And I just realized throughout the years that uh, really it's about the brand and the people because more than ever, there is nothing unique today. Mm. And it's just about the entrepreneur or the person which is behind that make it work. And obviously, if you manage to build a brand, and this is where you'll make a difference. I mean, look at what LVMH is just keep on building more more brands mm. but you just make them a successful platform okay that's interesting yeah because you know we we see as publishers we see so many ad tech partners and people promising different things and there's a huge software as a service industry there's a huge cloud industry um and it's hard to know if these are any good and will they add to your business and will they be around in the future so it's interesting it comes back to brand for you yeah, for, for me, again, I, I keep on telling to my management team, it's uh, it's really about, I'll call it the BP, it's really brand and people. Mm. I really believed on, I mean, from my experience on acting as a VC, we were invested in so many different companies, that the one that really succeeded was just about the person, about this entrepreneur. And again, it's not an easy ride to have your own company. I'm sure you're you're seeing that also from yourself. It's uh, it's uh, it's really an ups and down, mm. but it's really the people that never give up and keep on also evolving because it's not about just not giving up. It's also about trying something new sometimes because you have to change sometimes direction to make it work. Uh, so and it's just about this and building the brand. So on the publishing side, and I'm very glad that I have been surrounded by really great. Uh, uh, management team because on all these different platforms that we have it was different people that work with me for the last 10 years or 15 years and then move on uh, on the ladder and became the CEO of the different entity yeah uh, but it's also the help of these people because we have seen the market transforming and the publishing again like the printing has such which was our core business represent today less than 10 percent of my business so we have event I will not call it anymore the print because I call it a brand. So Marie Claire has a brand. It's the social, it's the print, it's the, the online, it's the events. All this come together as a brand. We put all this with the data to collect all this information. And we are, uh, the, the DMP that we have is GDPR compliance because we do it here and we do it also in Europe. So all this comes all together. But at the end of the day, a person wants to come and read some interesting stories it comes to a brand and and really more than ever with what's happening with the fake news and you have people that tend to not really we can be very easily manipulated today so i think people tend to go back to brand that they trust and again today there is millions for example on the french news millions of uh, online players but i still go to these two brands le monde is a hundred years old newspaper i'm not sure about the, the years but this is at least a 50 or 100 years old newspaper mm. but i i trust the brand 
and then I go back directly to the brand. Do you think talking about the value on it? I think you know the brands and legacy media brands is interesting, and you know, for example, social networks have have been introduced as brands, whether they're media or not. But in the last fifteen years, we've seen Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, but we haven't seen that many new media brands. And also, the users are used to thinking that they can get content for free. Um, do Do you think I, I saw something recently about Sony Music uh, when they IPO'd? They were valued last week at twelve billion, and they were purchased in two thousand thirteen for three billion. Uh, at the time where music was seen to be challenged economically, yeah. And, and do you think we're at a stage now of media and content where it's actually at the lowest and uh, you know, looking at looking at how how much people relied on media during COVID nineteen in the last few months, that they actually, whether it's public service information or not, that they're actually realizing, um, as well as the brand with the content, that there's a value on media more so than influencers, more so than say aggregated fake news, for want of better terminology. And do you think that? in an optimistic view that the future is rosy, that there's, there will be value now in brands and content? So, uh, thank you. It's a very interesting question. And I think the parallel with the, the, the music industry is uh, it's quite well, because I mean, the, the music industry, I think 10 years ago, people were saying it's a dead business. And you saw, like, you saw some of the, the big players like uh, crashing in terms of the, the, their market value. And I think today they managed to find the economic where consumer at the end managed to find what they really want on listening to good music, but at, 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 at a good price. Hmm. And I think we, the streaming industry is just booming. And, and I think today the value that you have on subscribing to a Deezer or Spotify or Alarami is it's just that you have to make the balance between whatever you're paying and the value on the content that you get. I think for, for our industry, it's the same. I think today people, uh, I mean, you see the New York Times, for example, they managed to put a good uh, model in terms of, uh, of a, pay, a PayPal where a paywall, sorry, was mm. uh, a good price in terms of the subscription and they managed to really recover in terms of the number of subscriptions versus the number of on the print that they were losing. Mm. I think it comes to an economics. I think Netflix managed to take the, the storm, the, the industry by, uh, by itself because they really put I mean, you're just paying a ten dollars to get a video on demand. I mean, this is nothing. And mm. uh, how much it was costing you to just go and take a DVD? It was costing you ten dollars for just one DVD. Mm. So it's just about the economics, and again, giving some good, uh, some good content. But again, people will go back to brands. I'm still a big believer in brands. I'm a big believer in data. Uh, things will evolve, but I think today you just want again. People want to own an LVMH. People want to own a Christian Dior. Uh, but what's the difference between my Swatch and the Patek Philippe? Is the brand, the, 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 the image that you give. Mm. So, and same things on the content. People want to go to things where uh, a platform that give you the right content, the right information, uh, the right movie, the right music. But yes, unfortunately, with the, the rise of the internet, people are used to get things for free. But they will be ready to pay if they have, you know, the balance between what they're getting and the price that they're paying. Is it harder to change a legacy media brand uh, to to this new economics model uh, where the value is different, the price is different to the end user? Is it harder to turn it around? You you mentioned the New York Times, and I think they had to take out a loan from. Uh, Carlos Sim in, in 2010, Sim, they, yeah. they were really struggling. And now they're now they're the darling of media. Everyone wants to work for them. They're, they're proven model, I don't know, million subscribers or something like that. Um, but th- they obviously went through some pain to turn it around. Do you think that's a rite of passage? Do, do we all have to, do all legacy media brands have to struggle for a bit? We, we know that Condé Nast, for example, are struggling. Um, how do you kind of, is it harder to turn it around or is it easier to launch in digital and have subscription from the start? Uh, I think it's, I think we, I mean, it's difficult first to take a decision from a business that used to almost print money for you, which was doing extremely well to just decide, you know what, it's time for me to just change. And this comes from, again, from the leadership. 
I think it's, uh, I mean, look at Apple. I mean, I mean, as much as great was Steve Jobs, but he's really a, a leader that took a decision. And, and the iPad, the iPod was not something new. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just like improve the, 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 the product and build the brand around it. And again, from our industry, it's the same. I think it's a painful job to do. But unfortunately, we'll have to go through this. We need to change. And, and with the COVID, it's just accelerating the, the whole things. Still change, like we're just talking about the, the, the home from work. I think today this will change forever. I mean, obviously, it's, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of working from home. Still, I think people need to come back to an office because we need to put the culture and people want to meet also other people. But people can be very efficient in uh, at home if they if they can do they can I mean for me people can really work four to five hours per day and be more efficient than staying eight hours per day in the office yeah. between the, the the talking and extra. So for example, I'll give you an example. We have a Lebanese office. We have around like less than thirty people, and it's mainly uh, a back office. So we have a lot of the tech uh, people and the content. And I was talking to my uh, GM uh, last year, and I wanted the office to be, to, I mean, by end of December 2020, I wanted not to have any more an office. So it's something that we were preparing ourselves. So we were already having the people working twice a week from home. Mm. And with the COVID, we just accelerated. And as of today, we have no more physical office in Beirut. People are working from home. They don't waste time in the traffic. Mm. They're more efficient. The work, the work is working flawless. It's working extremely well. People are more efficient. And we're saving also the money on the cost. So this money that I'm saving, I can give it back more to the employee at the end. Yeah, interesting you mentioned it. I think it, it, it can work in that scenario with, with the traffic and maybe separate internet connections in Beirut, etc. But do you think, you mentioned the culture. Uh, I see some media companies and small businesses, once they kind of close the office doors, not not only do they lose the culture, but they might lose the feel of a physical presence and it might be downhill from there. Do you think there's a risk? So this is what I was saying. It's just, I think today you have to have, to have again the balance because again, you cannot have, uh, I'm not, I don't believe that you should be 100% completely out of form because again, you should have a balance on your personal life. Mm. I mean, uh, so I think this is what I'm saying. Like, I think you should still have an office where people can go back to. So for example, in Lebanon, what we did is we did a deal with a kind of a hotel where we have a meeting rooms and twice a week, yeah. all the team meets there to, uh, to share the idea, meet other people and extra. But when we, it's mandatory that they come twice a week uh, to the meeting room, I mean, to meet the other colleagues. So I think yeah. it's really important that they keep a balance also on, on your personal life. So I think people need to, you know, I was reading a story where in France, 30% of the married couple happened between colleagues in their office. So imagine if there is no more this. So, yeah. uh, so I think, you know, it has to have a balance and everything has to have a balance on that part. Yeah, it's interesting. And it does sound like you were prepared for it in one, in one level, you were already starting to do it. Uh, so it's interesting to see how things evolve as well. And obviously with all the technology uh, in terms of productivity that we're much more capable of doing it. Um, okay, cool. Let's move back to content a bit. How do you, how do you yeah. think brand is one thing from a publisher point of view, uh, content kind of leads a lot of the brands in terms of uh, marketing and things like that. How do you go about having a, a strong brand voice for a publishing uh, brand? So it comes back to the editors to have the right uh, journalist, uh, again, to have a kind of uh, a freedom of speech, creating good content is to have the right people. It goes back, I'm, I'm really a big believer and I don't want to sound like I'm pressuring because I'm on the TV here, but. I'm a big believer on people. I really think that whoever it's, uh, it's not, I mean, today MediaQuest, we've been there for 20 years, we managed to evolve. It's not only because of myself, it's just because I had like some very good surrounding of my people, of the management people. Mm. And same things for a brand to be able to be successful and to have good content is to have good journalists. Yeah. Uh, to have people that do investigations. I mean, you, you were talking about New York Times. New York Times is still New York Times because they do some very interesting uh, narrative. 
Yeah. Uh, very interesting investigations, news, uh, uh, news, and it make a big difference. And same things on whether it's on the lifestyle tab, you create like a good content story for the brand. Like you take something for Christian Dior and you build up a, a nice whole uh, fashion shoot and etc. Or you go on, I go on the business uh, title that you have like EMEA4 Trends where you can create a full story about the business, the NGC, the SMEs and everything. You know, something that people want to read and it comes back to also to the journalists, to the people that are behind the story. But obviously the industry has evolved and how, you know, having good investigative reporting and journalists costs money, investing in video uh, costs money. Uh, when you put something out, I was listening to a podcast yesterday from Complex Media in the US, I'm CEO, and he said that when when you issued a magazine 10, 15 years ago, you almost had a six month sort of runway. If that was an impactful story, it actually had impact for six months or 12 months because people you know, the monthly magazine would still be read, it would be passed around, it would be very topical, it would be zeitgeisty. Uh, but now that can that time span is seconds, minutes, days. It's much faster. Yeah. So, you know, the question really is, where? Do, how do you think that creating content and curating content, original content versus adding a voice to what's happening on social media. Do you think there's a marriage that can work there in, in new media? So, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I have, a, I have a son of six years old and, you know, like we call this the new generation and, and I'm using even the French word is the frog generation because they just jump from one, one content to another one and really the spam of attention goes down to seconds. So if in a seconds, you don't manage to catch the eye of the of the reader you're, you're done so i think today it's again again it's the evolution of the content we cannot do anymore a story of uh, 20 pages and uh, 20 pages and uh, and people were expecting for people to still be there reading uh, behind the screen uh, 20 pages of of a story mm. so you do a shorter version a shorter video uh, and I, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a fight between one of the biggest agency and one of the biggest uh, FMCG client here, uh, where they were supposed to do a creative ad for them. And they came and presented this 30 second ad for the cost of two, $3 million. And the client, this is not what he wanted. Mm. And he managed to do a smaller 30 second video um, uh, that goes for the social, and it has cost him like $100,000 versus the million. It was more impactful. Mm. I mean, so so I think there is an evolution even on the term of the way you present the content. Mm. And obviously, the social today have accelerated all that. I mean, look at the TikTok. I mean, you know, you just swap. I mean, you stay like a second to see the video. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all this. I mean, the way we're consuming media also is completely changing. So even us as brand, we need to adapt to that. So, so, yeah, and more so on the, where, where do you sit on the view that you can create brands on platforms, not necessarily on your own platform? For example, a lot of publishers now are creating, uh, you know, legacy media uh, magazines will have Snapchat discover sections, or they'll do publishing sections just in partnership with Twitter or on YouTube, and they'll make series and, and shows and video. Uh, do you think they're losing uh, you know, it's like it's like when the the old example of when Borders, the bookstore, yeah, put their e-commerce on Amazon and then they then they went bankrupt uh, and they came back. But is, do you think that's a risk of happening? It, it, you know, when you own your IP, do you would you prefer that, especially with the data that that you believe in, would you prefer that they're coming to your platform, or or, or is it revenue opportunity to partner? So I think it's a very good parallel. I mean, the, uh, I think today, unfortunately, the problem is that when you put your content and your platform on the social uh, platform like Facebook, Snap, and etc. I mean, if they will give you 99% of the money, it's great. But if they don't, and at the end of the day, yes, it's going to become like a Borders and Amazon or Toys R Us and Amazon. And, uh, and I think we as media people or publisher or whatever, we need to find ways 
of making because again you right to do a good content you need to have good journalists you have to pay for good content we have to find ways of making the money outside of just purely the media and this is why i'm a big believer in the data mm. and um, uh, and I, I think again today if you manage to bring the people collect the data have the right tank of data for the consumer knowing everything about the i can go up to 17 thousand points on every single data point that I can collect. Mm. So I can know a lot of things about you. And then this worth a lot of money when I'll be able to go to a Johnson & Johnson, Unilever and extra to be able to tell them, you know, like I can predict you that this guy will, within one week, he'll go and buy a, a new um, a toothbrush or whatever. So I think this, this is the way we can try to do the, the, the money. To go back and put everything on and depending completely on the different social platform, Unfortunately, it's only the government that can put pressure on the platform to redistribute a lot of the money back to the publisher. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, we're completely cannibalizing our business, our business revenue. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on the data side of things, you mentioned the example of the video and the price difference between the TVC. Uh, so firstly, on data, there's a trend that it's moving from third party that's been blocked by Google and others onto first party. So those publishers that do invest in DMP and have their own data and haven't maybe signed it over or, um, you know, invested in building audiences on Snapchat, like in, our Instagram and influencers will be in a better position. But do you, the question is, do you think there's a risk of... Um, commoditization of data like we've seen commoditization of video and content so again i think today again as you said data is everywhere and third party data is in billions uh, but the first party data uh, it's something more unique so it's and this is where the brand comes in so you build like a Marie Claire, there is not like millions of Marie Claire. You have the different competitors that are there, are there mm. but you don't have millions of brands like Marie Claire that do nice uh, uh, content. And the people that comes there are more inclined to read a nice story. And this is something which I think people will fight for the first party data. Mm. And I think the first party data is not commoditized because at the end of the day, this is the uniqueness of the first party data. And okay. I think this is where you have, this is where us as brand, I think we should be a bit careful of where we're putting our content because yeah, it's the Google and the Facebook and all the rest that are collecting everything for us. Yeah. And these guys are not sharing the data with us. Yeah. I mean, they take most of the stuff and they keep the money, they keep the info and uh, we, we don't have much of the things here. Um, so what, what, where do you think we, I, I, we put a meme up on Love in Dubai yesterday saying, no one got the answer to the question, where would someone see themselves in five years' time when they were asked it in 2015, yeah. right? Because we're all working from home. But where do, you see yeah. the, where do you see the publishing industry in five years? Is there consolidation? Or what, 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 how does, from a user point of view, how will you be accessing um, Le Monde or FT uh, in five years' time? So uh, um, it's funny because I was having a call with an investment uh, company that we had, and I was explaining to the guy that I, for us to survive, merge and acquisition has to happen. There is no other way. Hmm. I mean, we need to consolidate this uh, the the revenue model, and I'm talking just about here on the revenue model because it's becoming extremely tough. I mean, the region is going through it. I mean, the world is going through a tough time. And I think it's just the consolidation on the business is you can keep your brand, but really whatever is behind all the GNA or your direct costs has to merge that can create like a kind of a value on your PNL. Otherwise, it's going to be extremely difficult to survive today. Mm. And I think today you can still, I mean, like really, I love this model of, uh, of LVMH because the guy is building, he's taking brands and brands and he's still building on the brand. But you know, the core, which is the whole, holding that have all the GNA and the fixed cost and everything keep on reducing, reducing. Mm. So at the end of the day, it can do a better job on, on building the brand, investing on the brand, because you need to keep on investing on your brand. Otherwise, you know, brands die very quickly. Mm. And today people are not as royal as before. And again, we call them this frog generation because they jump from a content to another one. They also jump from a brand to another one. So if you don't build, the whole experience on the brand, 
uh, yeah, then you lose you lose your consumer. Yeah. And so yeah, for sure, merger acquisition should happen. I mean, it's something that should happen in our industry, and I think I'm sure in the next one year we'll see more and more of things happening like that on the on our industry. So the example with the sort of retail space and the luxury goods, um, I guess they would have had lots of disruption. Uh, you know, whether it's different types of consumer trends, whether it's um, uh, plagiarized or, or counterfeit goods, but but they're all, they're still coming from a strong place where people do appreciate the value, um, and so it was possible to build up a holding group like that. Is it as possible to have a publishing group? Because many M and A has happened in the media space in other markets and in this market in a way to try and counteract the big tech. Uh, is that why you th- you think M and A is needed to to give a- a clients another option? Would it be to fight Facebook and and that sort of thing, or is M and A needed? Uh, yeah, for a different reason. So uh, I will not go on. My, I think today, if I build my business, it's not to go and fight the other people. It's really to build something which is better and good for the consumer in terms of the content because. Obviously, if I just focus on just doing the fight, I'm losing yeah, the, uh, the eyeball. And so I need to focus today. My main thing is to focus on building nice brand. Hmm. And the nice brand is you have to invest in it. And today I have to see my PNL. I need to see the economic. And I need, obviously, to see how I can reduce. So I think the home, the work from home can help me this on reducing my size of the office, put more money back to the employees here. Uh, so there is things that can, and we need to engineer different things here. Hmm. I think today the, the big players, and I'll go back again to, again, being French-Lebanese, I have my eye really all the time on the French, uh, on the French media. Uh, again, I mean, these big groups have billions of dollars of cash reserve. They can do, they can just completely smash you. Hmm. But I think also, again, today for them to move, it become more and more complicated. So I think it's good that, I think, again, us as the media, we need to focus at the end of the day for what the consumer wants and how we can deliver it and how we can deliver a better content. I think this is where I want to build the better things. And if there is margin, margin and acquisition, it's just obviously not to go and just compete about, about them on, on the size and everything, just on building a better content platform. Uh, so I want to talk about the events industry as well before we finish, but just on the M&A, the, over the years, there's been uh, VC money into media that uh, hasn't maybe returned in the right way uh, in the US, for example. Uh, it's now a bad time to value a media company. It's, it's now a bad time to uh, go into m and uh, uh, What do you think? So, you know, it's funny, like in 2008, before the crisis, we, we had uh, one of the largest private equity uh, that entered the group uh, as a minority. And as I keep on saying, it was the best MBA for me uh, because I learned to deal with, uh, you know, private equity people that just look at uh, just at, the, at your profit. Hmm. Uh, it, was a, it was big battles from day one because, again, they were not having the same vision. I mean, okay, on the media, and you know it, you have to go invest some money and keep on investing before you build something and before the return comes. Hmm. So so I think it's, we just have to be careful on who you take on board in terms of the VC or the private equity and extra because they don't really have the same model. These guys come in, they want this cut, 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 make a better EBITDA, and all they care is just about the EBITDA, where we build brands that, uh, obviously, we want to do dominate. It will be uh, a lie to say that, yeah, I'm building something. I don't want to have the return. Mm. But it's, again, I'm ready to wait a little bit because I know value that you create can bring back the money after. But you have to create a good value. Mm. So it's, it's again, it's, I think on the merger and acquisition, I think it will be better. It will be between the different players than just having, and maybe you can have a VC for a very, very low equity there. But... I think it will be better if there is like player merger. And this is what's happening between Disney and uh, and Sky and et cetera. I think it will be better on that part than having just a pearl VC that come in or a private equity yeah. that just cut, cut, cut and uh, just want to make his return and resell the whole business. Yeah, interesting. And, and what about this region? What's your experience in launching media brands, publishing 
brands across the region in terms of consumption? Are there different appetites in different countries? And uh, what's your learnings from that? So, you know, like you, you were talking about the Google and the Facebook, and before that, as being here for 20 years, I was facing the same giant, which is, which is still there, is that most of the media belongs to uh, government, mm. and they have deep pockets. And despite that, we managed to survive because they were just throwing the money and not really creating good brands, I think. Mm. Um, again, the future is... Uh, again, I think it will be very pretentious of me to see what's going to happen. Again, I don't think anybody protected uh, protected this uh, coronavirus, and God knows what's happening with the second wave or if it's happening, not happening. Uh, but again, I still go back to the same things: is about the brand, the brand, the brand, the brand. Good content, good brand. Mm. We were talking about the event. I mean, you know, the AFI was uh, it's a, it's an international brand that was not known here. We started ten years ago. We were like less than. 500 people just to bring the judges was a nightmare. Nobody knew what was the event. Nobody knew what was the brand. And in 10 years, we managed to have 2,000 people coming for an award night. Yeah. And the judges, most of the biggest clients from the region are coming to judge. So, so you see, yeah. this is where when you trust something, people come to you. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good, you know, the FEs and, you know, I've attended it many times and also Arab luxury world. You can see... The brand is there, but the execution is good. Uh, you, you can tell that, that there's expertise on the event side. Um, even from a, an agency point of view, there's a lot of credibility uh, in managing the awards and the things like that. So it's a lot of investment. It's a lot of expertise uh, to get it right, uh, w which which is part of the success. Uh, how, do, how do you see it now? Is, you, know, you mentioned about the FEs this year. Where, where do you see this, the trend going with events? Obviously, it's a difficult time. So, uh, so for example, we're doing a webinar now with AFI and ABG, the, the, the association for the client. We're launching an event next week, a webinar. I am still a big believer on events where people will still want to come and meet and socialize. So I think this year is going to be a bit difficult because until people have a kind of a trust to meet up and etc., but I still believe that people will still want to go and uh, meet face-to-face, -face, uh, uh, see the different things and extra. I think this is difficult, but hopefully by next year or within the year, I think the event industry will come back on their feet. It will take a little bit of time, but I'm still a big, big believer. I don't believe in this, uh, in this event where you want to bring people on the online or whatever. Uh, I think it's not the same. It's not at all the same experience. It's all about the experience. I mean, yeah. today the retail is the same things. Today, you go to a shop. If you don't have the experience, you'll not go to the shop. I mean, I, I wanted to shop like before the corona. I went to uh, a store to buy something on the, an electronic store. Uh, but I was asking a question because I was not able to find something. And the guy was not able to give me an answer, was not even interested to help me. Mm. He lost me. I, was, I just put my foot mm. out of the shop and I just bought it on Amazon. So it's just about the experience. The retail is the same. The event is the same. The experience mm. is, I mean, I don't think you can compete with the experience of having a face-to-face. -face. You go for AT, you meet your clients, you meet your uh, competition, mm. you, have a, you have a drink, you have a food. You, you know, the whole experience is very joy, joyful. Mm. Whether it's on the online, is not the same. So I think on that, even the concert or whatever, I think this, I think this has still a good future. Uh, obviously, now, I think maybe maybe for a year or year, one year or two years is going to be a bit of a struggle, but I think it will come back. So you don't think the same thing is going to happen with digital subscription and online media in the event space in terms of uh, we'll, we'll all be attending digital conferences at a lower price point than attending a real event? No. How many digital conferences did you attend for the last three months? I haven't attended many because I've been busy, but I've been invited to many webinars. Uh, there hasn't, but it, it, it's a good point, but, but there haven't been many good uh, digital, it has, the execution isn't good, you know, they, whether it's yeah. experience or not. Webinar is fine. It's like this, it's a Zoom call, but the the people people haven't really invested in a, in a digital uh, experience that's good yet. But maybe maybe it's a new invention, no? 
<laughs> so, yeah, maybe. So, so just to go back on the point, so the webinar, the small webinar, like a class type of stuff, this, I think this is amazing. And I think this will also disturb for the long, uh, I mean, this is done. Mm -hmm. I mean, today you can go and have your courses on the online or a small webinar, 50 people, this is great. But the big platform, like you do the Cannes Festival, you yeah. do the, um, uh, you go and do the the one that's happening in Portugal, the Web, Web, Web Summit, Summit yeah. or, or the Mexico and et cetera. I think just the, the experience is so different. I mean, just you meet like, you know, it's just about meeting at the end of the day, the conference is about also meeting, opening your eyes of different things. Yeah, you learn so maybe much more. Maybe this will yeah. change. And as you said, the experience, maybe, maybe there is something that has to come on that space that will give you maybe with the the eye experience the, the 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 I don't there is something that will happen this but I don't think this is happening today mm. maybe in five years from now the experience will be so amazing to be on online where you feel you're a part of the of the whole experience it's all about the experience but yeah. I think today we don't have this yet in uh, in our field and I guess the digitization of events isn't just virtual events it's having digital touch points at physical events and there's innovation there as well yeah yeah it's yeah it's innovation it's uh, it's again it's you roam around the different uh, conference you see like something that you haven't seen or you're not uh, ready to see where you go on the digital part you know you have to be prepared and it's not the same experience maybe i'm too old for that but i think it's today as you said it's just about the experience mm. and i don't think on the on the on the event part, I'm talking about the big event, not the small webinar, the, the class type. This is not yet there. Hmm. So okay, cool. Uh, so where are we, where is the with uh, your magazine, Communicate Magazine? How do you see the advertising yeah. trends uh, for this year? Is it related to the economy? Um, are we talking? You know, is this going to be a very bad year? Do you see it as a rebound um, at some point as well? Uh, no, I think the ribbon will take a little bit of time for simple reason. It's just that today, for example, versus that country where they had a kind of a caution where the government like, really came and helped people. Most of the people didn't lose their uh, purchasing power. Mm. Here, unfortunately, in the region, you know, it's, uh, it was really a bloodbath. People lost jobs. People lost purchasing power. I think most of the people that I know have had cut salary. Mm. And this goes from 20 to 30%, even to 50%. Mm. And obviously, you'll be more cautious on spending. Mm. Uh, so I think from the media industry, this uh, this is going to be a rough, I think, two years mm. before things get back to, to the normal. I think the region to bounce back needs to go back to what it used to be 20 years ago. And I'll talk about Dubai, where the problem of Dubai is to do business in Dubai is too costly. I still believe in Dubai. I still believe in the region, in Saudi and extra. But uh, because there is no alternative to Dubai today, but to do business in Dubai is too costly. Mm. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, if it, if it be managed to go back to what it used to be 20 years ago, then it will be a winner again. But again, today, Dubai live on tourists. Today, there will be maybe 100 tourists that will travel the world. And every single country will go and fight for these tourists. Yeah. So they will go and give cheap rates for the hotel, for everything. And Dubai is still a very expensive place. Uh, just to go back on the media industry, the media industry also same. I think the creative industry has a bit more stamina to last because they do the, uh, they have fees that they charge to the clients, and there was some creative work that was still happening. Hmm. The media industry, I think, are suffering as much as us because although we all seen our audiences growing, hmm. but there is no media spend. Hmm. So obviously, I think the media industry will also have to change. I mean, they, the, the guys, the, all these media players, they will need to, the media agency, I think they need to change. I think they had a lot of fat and unfortunately all this has to change also. Can you explain that a bit more? Which part? The, the, on the media agency, for example, I'm seeing like, you know, like uh, they, they had like how many people that were managing a client and yeah. everything. And I think all this needs to be reduced. I think for the next two years, yeah. we'll see and for a lot of uh, layoff from the, the media uh, agencies. Efficiencies on staff and resources. Yeah. Uh, um, you talked about the, the costs of Dubai. Many of, do you think many of the costs here aren't um, aren't regulated, as in their market dynamics? So um, potentially this period will drive prices down, and maybe that will s stay longer. Uh, and 
do you think that might happen? Because it, it kind of takes two to tango a bit. You know, we're, we're all part of, we all, you know, supply and demand. We all paid those prices, for example. We all were, gave those benefits to staff and things like that. Uh, whereas we might necessarily have done that in other countries in the region. Uh, so do you think there, there's a leveling out going to happen? As, as the uh, Dubai I, matures? I think for me, for Dubai to uh, bounce back, uh, the price has to go down, and I think it will happen eventually. I mean, it cannot sustain the way it is. I'm still a big believer in Dubai. Again, today people are seeing like tax. And again, I come from, again, being French, I come from France where I pay 50% of yeah. tax on my revenue. So it's great in time of crisis because obviously you got the caution by the government helping you on that. Yeah. Obviously, I came here for uh, the first things for me to come here was really for tax reason. And I understand that the government cannot come and help you because we're not paying tax. But I think today they can regulate a little bit, a couple of things, schooling, retail, rent, and extra to just push price down. And it have it will have an effect. I mean, today, you know, I was trying to renegotiate my rent for my office, where I have nobody for the last four months in my office. And the landlord said, no, I cannot reduce. Uh, so I paid four months of, uh, of rent mm. for nothing. Uh, and I understand the guy because the guy didn't help because he has a loan, he has everything, he still have to pay his dues. And on the other hand, I cut my salary uh, for the people. So my fixed costs are still the same, but my salary cost has reduced. Yeah. So okay. I think we've, we've lost you, Alex. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. So we're just coming up to 50 minutes and we're finishing up. He might come back. Uh, it, it, technically, it worked excellent up until now. Uh, Alex, if you can hear me, uh, thank you very much for being the guest today. Uh, and um, yeah, best of luck uh, with coming out of coronavirus and over the summer and looking forward to catch up soon. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.